The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Nance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us, as always. Today, it's a little special for us. This is our third anniversary show. This week marks three years we've been doing American Road Trip Talk. We're mighty proud that we have so many people who have gotten so much from listening to us. We are grateful. I also want to thank our new producer who's doing an amazing job for us, Nathan Miller. He's along to make sure, of course, that we stay in our lane and we're going to keep on putting this together week in and week out for your listening pleasure. Today, we're going to travel to Utah. I've been there several times myself, but today, courtesy of our special guest, Erica Nelson, who is certainly a listener favorite, and that includes being one of mine, we're going to visit places that, being Utah, offer natural wonders, scenic, of course, and some of those are man-made wonders and one or two of them may qualify as secret wonders. These are a little more out of the way. So Utah is where we are headed, and we look forward to talking with Erica Nelson again. This is American Road Trip Talk. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. West Tennessee. Welcome to our new sponsor. West Tennessee is full of history, adventure, and natural beauty. Hear the stories of West Tennessee's legendary music and taste the flavors our region is known for. Wander down the Ghost River and sit on the steps where Alex Haley learned about his roots. No matter your passion, West Tennessee has it. The adventure starts in Memphis, but it doesn't end there. Visit WestTennesseeDayTrippin.org. That's W-E-S-T-T-N-D-A-Y-T-R-I-P-P-I-N.org. Adventure is waiting. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, here we go. Another visit with our pal, Erica Nelson. Erica Nelson is an independent artist and educator, exploring the fringes of art and culture as experienced on the back roads and offbeat roadside attractions that dot the American landscape. She travels the country in a permanently altered art car and exhibits the world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things in a portable sideshow extravaganza. When not on the road expounding on the glories of world's 
largest things and quirky roadside oddities. She can be found hunkered down just outside of the Garden of Eden in the wonderfully bizarre town of Lucas, Kansas. Welcome once again, Erica Nelson. Well, always good to talk with you and share some of the most recent travels. And travel you do, Erica. You get to so many places. I envy you. I wish I were as mobile as you. I wish I had your energy, not to mention your artistic ability. And you're here with more stories, this time about Utah. You and I agreed that you know, people know about Zion. I've been there several times. Glorious. And people, of course, know Salt Lake City, the Wasatch Front of the Rockies. How about those more secret wonders, including, for example, Capitol Reef National Park, less visited and an interesting place in and of itself, Erica, maybe that's where we should begin. It seems to me that Capitol Reef can be appreciated, certainly for all the glorious art that Mother Nature came up with it, some of it retouched, as it were, by human hands, and it seems to be laid out in a vertical pattern. It doesn't seem wide, but it is long. It is a really expansive uh, national park and one of the youngest. It's only 50 years old, but it encompasses some of those iconic things that you think of at other parks, like arches, you know what to expect, but there are those same geological archway formations in Capitol Reef. And since it is one of the maybe lesser explored parks, it also means that you get time alone with some of these natural wonders. And because it is so long and narrow, they've only developed the northern half. So if you want some more adventurous uh, wanderings or even less populated and less paved roads, you just head on down to the southern part and find a couple more um, trips that will take you into slot canyons or um, following some of the old cow trails that are switchbacks that even as a traveler were making me nervous to uh, climb and elevate up. So it was, a, it was really a hidden gem and dotted throughout the parks. There are hoodoos and goblins, um, which are limestone formations and might talk about another park that's really known for those. But then there are also petroglyphs all along the way. So you've got natural beauty, you've got um, art history, and you've got a lot fewer crowds um, in, in such a wonderful, amazing space. You know, you had me at talk of all these wonders and the way that you can experience it. You're hard to scare, by the way, Erica. So for you to be nervous at all indicates that we're talking about a place that really puts you on the precipice of adventure. But I have to admit my ignorance when it comes to slot canyons. What are we talking about there? Oh, that was one of my, when, when I realized I was only going to have maybe two or three weeks in Utah, I made a short list of what I really wanted to do. And one of them was to explore a slot canyon, which just means a very narrow, narrow rift in a mountain range um, that's very tall, but at, at points you get squeezed into this sort of sideways shape. So you really are squeezing yourself into this narrow, narrow belly. Um, and there beautiful and fantastic and often open back up into another valley to explore. Uh, but we found some really good ones of those. And one of the most interesting things about exploring the slot canyons, because the, um, 
walls of the canyon are so long, the pebbles that fall from the top kind of bounce and roll until they are almost perfect spheres. So when you're walking along the bottom of a slot canyon, you find pebbles that are almost perfectly round and marble-like. So it's really a fun way to explore uh, something that ge geologically and geographically um, we don't get here in Kansas. No, <laughs> we don't see a lot of them here in Florida either, as a matter of fact. Uh, Erica, I'm curious to know particularly about the petroglyphs for a couple of reasons, the magnificent legacy that our ancestors have left, number one, but also, and I certainly hope there's a positive answer to this because I've read some stories. Are these petroglyphs being treasured and protected? Uh, it is a federal crime to deface a petroglyph. So we do have laws in place. That doesn't mean that everybody abides by them. But uh, we did one exploration along what's called Nine Mile Canyon, but it's many, many more miles than nine. It's a 50 or 46 mile drive that takes you along. Um, I thought it'd just be a few, like a couple of big panels of petroglyphs. But I downloaded a driving guide that went mile by mile from a certain starting point. And every half a mile, there is a little pullout. And this guide would tell you where to look. And I thought, again, there'd be only a few, but there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things along this route that was already mapped out. And midway through, you realize there are other canyons branching off. So not only were you able to see and access so many amazing pieces right there by the road, you could imagine that sort of spreading out in this beautiful art gallery that is, is just phenomenal. And um, in reading some of these guides, and, and I would highly recommend if you're a driver and you can find a point by point guide where you reset your odometer and then go a certain number of miles and, and stop and read. Um, it's really a great way to get the history part of what you're looking at. And they are generations of people who have been adding to these, um, these tableaus. And one of them uh, is kind of the Mona Lisa of uh, petroglyph art is at the end of Nine Mile Canyon and it's called The Great Hunt. And People, the scholars who study these things believe that it depicts a real hunt and a real time because it's just so specific in what the animals look like and what the people look like and the time that those people and animals could happen to be together. They believed it was an October, November scene of a specific year, but they couldn't narrow it down to the year. It must have been quite a hunt if it's being memorialized in that way. This is, we have our spectacular events, but of course we have all the, the hype, we have advertising, we have marketing, we have PR. They found their own way to keep this alive for posterity, this collective memory. Yeah, little, little tiny dits that take off that surface of a dark rock to reveal the light rock underneath and basically a pointalized depiction. Like, well, it's primitive pixels. Um, that come together to make these amazing images. And in driving that route, you do see that not everybody does regard them. Um, it is always distressing to see bullet holes around petroglyphs. Mm. 
bullet holes around um, some of the other rock art that's pigment applied. Uh, but some of the greatest damage is sometimes done by people trying to preserve them. Early on, people were taking rubbings because it's like, oh, we've got to keep this image. But that act of rubbing to get that, um, that impression on a new piece of paper also deteriorated the surface. So the more we learn about caretaking, the more we realize just leave it alone but and give people access. But you do need the laws to protect them because not everybody has the respect of art or history that, that most explorers do. Most unfortunately, even tragically, yes, you're right about that. Is there, are there any forms of accommodation? It's a, one of the younger national parks, but I mean, someplace within the park or close by where you could spend a night or two? Um, yeah, there are. Um, I ended up spending the night in a dark sky community, which just means that they have taken extreme measures to make sure that they are not contributing to light pollution. So there are lots and lots of accommodations really close to the park. They were less than 20 miles away. Um, and then within the park, there are also there's campgrounds. Um, if you volunteer at a park, which this is a great time to start applying to be a volunteer or temporary ranger at a national park or even an artist in residence. There are cabins within some of these parks too, where you can really get that deep dive into some of our national treasures. And I will ask you this, we have a lot of material here and anything we don't get to, we'll talk about next time. But I did wanna ask you, and this is based on my own experience in Zion. At night, I took a drive deliberately well after dark. It was probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And I recall, driving, parking on the shoulder where there was enough space where I could do it safely. And I got out of my car and then suddenly I jerked my head up to look at the sky. And I swear to you, Erica, it was like being an astronomer without a telescope. I was absolutely blown away. Probably there are opportunities like that as well at Capitol Reef. Yeah, Capitol Reef has events and uh primitive areas and all of their lighting too is dark sky compliant and the images that you capture even just as a normal person do look like those professional astronomer um, views one of the adjacent parks is a state park and it's called goblin state park and it has a whole series of dark sky events too so you not only get to experience this wonderful atmospheric thing late at night, you're doing it in amongst one of the most surreal landscapes I've ever gotten to explore. And if you've ever seen the movie Galaxy Quest, they, yes. land, on, <laughs> uh, they land on Mars. And they actually shot that at Goblin State Park right by Capitol Reef National Park um, in Utah. Uh, so if you want to catch a glimpse of really one of the most amazing landscapes that's also accessible, also a great dark sky place, I would highly encourage you to take a look at Goblin State Park. That is very exciting. And of course, people who go there come back with stories, but elsewhere in Utah, stories abound. Okay, Erica, I am waiting to hear this. Speaking of art history, 
I'm sure the art history majors among us, I'm not one of them, but I'm sure they're listening, will recognize Robert Smithson's Spiral Jetty, a part of the Great Salt Lake. You have a story about that place. Yeah, and um, most of the time I travel in appropriate vehicles, even though they are embellished, they're usually pretty hardy vehicles, so four-wheel drive or at least high clearance. And on the way out to, um, to a job in Idaho, I decided to pass through Utah and just looking at the guidebook, I realized Robert Smithson's spiral, spiral Jetty is on the way. And for any art history person, it's this iconic 15 foot wide, uh, almost a mile long spiral of uh, coral and sand and clay that's built up at the edge of Salt Lake so that whenever the lake is full, it's just barely submerged and it makes this really amazing um, land, land work. So I thought this is in all the art history books. I need to go see this. So I start driving and the roads are a little washboardy, but I grew up in the Ozarks of Missouri. So I know how to drive a washboard road and not worry about it. I keep driving, it gets a little worse. Keep driving, it gets a little worse. Get there and you've at the end is start starting to be more like a boulder road than a gravel road. But I have my art history moment, take all my photos, do my own um, documentation of the site. And as I go back, um, I'm about halfway on the return journey and I see this car coming towards me and the windows roll down. And there's a young woman who sticks her head out the, the window and goes, this is a really scary road. Is it worth it? I said, are you an art history major? She's like, yeah. Is this your car? It's a rental. It is worth it. Go see it. This is the only time that you're going to be here. And it's a rental. So <laughs> I, I may have contributed to a... Uh, um, a deposit not being put back, but <laughs> when you've already gone halfway, it was going to be the same amount to go back. So she really needed to have that experience. And I really hope that she did. You always have the stories, Erica. I'm telling you, yes, that would be it. You, you are the intrepid story. You definitely would do that. <laughs> I can just see it. On this trip then, when you get to a place like Nancy Holt's Sun Tunnels, some sort of an interesting title in itself, a sun tunnel. What is happening there? Well, that one um, is also an earthwork. So Spiral Jetty was built in 1970. Nancy Holt um, was Robert Smithson's wife, and she too was a land artist. And so just a few years later, she um, acquired a different uh, remote desert property and installed a series of four uh, they sort of appear to be like highway culverts uh, on first glance, but they're large concrete tubes that you could walk into and stand in, but they are aligned with each other kind of in a cross formation so that when you look through two of them, they line up to one of the solstices, and when you look through the other two, it lines up to one of the other solstices. So at the right time of year, usually on the 22nd, um, if you are lucky enough to be camping out there, you will see the sunrise and activate this particular earthwork. 
and again, it's been out there since 1973, so that's almost 50 years. And uh, people take that trip out. And I had it on my radar, but I wasn't really thinking about what time of year it was. So I was driving back through um, after an art car parade in Seattle at the Fremont Fair. So again, Souls this time. I uh, took the long way home, went through Nevada, came in through Utah, and was stopping at a visitor center. And I saw this photo of Nancy Holt Sun Tunnels. And I thought, oh, haven't seen that either. I just saw Spiral Jetty last year. I should go see this. And the person behind the desk said, well, you know what, what day it is, don't you? Not really. Well, this is the solstice. You should just go get your provisions and go camp out there. So I did on her suggestion. It was a complete happenstance. So even that night, the setting sun activated two of the tunnels. And in the morning, there's a whole group of people and we were all lined up in this sort of expanding wedge so all of us could experience that sunrise in this artwork that, again, is only the magic only happens if you go and if you're there. And I hope I do get there. I haven't been to Utah. Oh, my goodness. It was probably the last time I was there would have been sometime in the 90s there. So, um, you know, uh, you talk about the march of time, Zion in particular. And I know I want to get back there. That's it. I can't say it's a bucket list. I've been there maybe four times already. But I want to get back because when I went there, Erica, they had not essentially reimagined Zion. And now there are places that I drove through and passed that I could not do today, because in order to preserve it and to build roads, to have your, your cut throughs, to modernize the park, they had to do things a certain way. And now it's just like you're going to a new park, you get to re-experience Zion. I haven't done that yet, but I sure hope that I can. That's the sort of thing you run into in Utah. There's just so much going on there where the earth itself, I think there's a saying that Utah offers the greatest snow on earth and the greatest earth on show. I find that hard to refute. Well, and it isn't just one type of landscape. I mean, you can go from trees and forests to deserts to alien landscapes to beautiful lush valleys. And it it really it impresses me every time that I go see it um, because it also celebrates nature, which the only other state that I think does it to that extent is Minnesota, when you have a whole population of people who are willing to go and play on frozen lakes, which is very apt right now. Um, they're the best at, at wintertime enjoyment of all their natural resources, but I think um, Utah is the best at exploring their natural beauty all times of the year and making it good for visitors, but really preserving their own resources. And bless them for that. As we uh, we're down to just a couple of minutes here, Erica, and uh, as a happenstance, I was going online a couple of days ago and I discovered something. I believe we talked about this before, I'm pretty sure. Did you read anything about a devastating fire, this time in Colorado, uh, that destroyed or badly damaged a unique castle that a gentleman was building? And there was a fire that broke out. And I went, oh, no. 
Yeah, and that's this is a reminder to see these things when you think about it. If something catches your eye when you're passing by, stop right then because there's not always going to be a later. Uh, the um, outsider and folk and visionary art world that I operate in um, was very shocked to hear of a fire at Kano's castle. And Kano is his last name. Uh, but he made this giant recycled material um, artwork around his home uh, with two towering, shimmering, gleaming uh, towers that only he is the one confident enough to climb them. Luckily, the towers themselves are okay, and Kano is okay, uh, but it was his house that, that was burned. Uh, they were able to save the towers, and there's a big online push for um, donations to help Kano rebuild uh, his own living space. But that is why you need to go see them when you see them, because you never know what natural disaster or unnatural disaster will make it impossible the next time. Very well said, Erica. Thank you for that very much. And anything going on, I know you can't talk about every project that you do because there are non-disclosures involved, but right now, I mean, what do you have going on? Where are you traveling that maybe we can talk about next time you visit our show? I'm actually in Lucas doing a restoration project for the first half of this year, but one of the special events in this tiny town full of art is our annual April 1st open houses when all of the artists kick off our tour season. We all have special displays ready, so I'm kind of at home doing some restoration work on a little yard environment here, but also getting the expo ready to reopen with some special displays and um, some uh, things that I've always wanted to do and play with and now have the time and space to do it. I'm so happy that I know you. You are just <laughs> unbelievable, a phantasmagoria unto yourself, Erica Nelson. Thank you for joining us again. We always have more topics than time, but that just means we'll get together and do it again. Always good to be here, and hopefully I will keep on, keep on exploring that American road so I have more stories. Of that, I have no doubt. Erica Nelson, everybody. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.